Hi, welcome back to the Mom Mentality Show. My name is Austin Chadwick and co-host is Chris Lucian. And today we are really excited to have uh, Jim Speaker joining us on the show. Uh, got some great topics, uh, uh, building up a small team as lightweight as possible, uh, XP ensemble job descriptions. And then if there's time, we'll jump right into some parent mob programming topics, maybe some TDD, TBD, and continuous delivery. All fun stuff. Uh, but before we get to those, Jim, do you mind uh, giving an introduction for yourself? Sure, absolutely. So I started out as a self-taught programmer, uh, one of those from our generation that uh, was able to make it that way, right? And uh, um, so I worked at uh, like micro. I've worked at big companies and small and medium, Microsoft, um, Washington Mutual Bank before its demise. Um, so it a, bit, a bit of banking industry stuff, um, small startup. Uh, in the fintech industry and uh, Primera Blue Cross doing, you know, health insurance type stuff, which which is where I met some really great guys like Steve Quo and uh, Paige Watson and got really immersed in the software craftsmanship that I'd already been doing for a while. But that's really, really where I uh, sunk my teeth into software craftsmanship and really started um, understanding better and practicing better a lot of the XP uh, values and practices and principles. So I've um, been doing it about 25 years now, old guy. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, yeah, before we even started recording, we were uh, just chit-chatting and Jim was just talking about he how he loves being in a legacy code base. And so there's a, <laughs> right. there's, there's a sign of a, a, crafts, a crafts person uh, if there ever was one. So <laughs> I'm one of those. Yeah, I'm one of yeah, those. Yes, so that's awesome. Um, yeah, so what we're here to talk about today is... Uh, Kind of more on uh, the, uh, I don't know, for recruiting or hiring kind of uh, uh, mm -hmm. a vein of, so I guess you've had some um, recent experiences with building a small XP team as lightweight as possible. How's that been going? <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. I just got started with it, actually. Um, oh, so nice. I, I shifted uh, um, employers about two months ago now. Um, from a medium size, from Primera Blue Cross, medium sized company um, to a really quite small company um, that's in the seafood uh, traceability industry, Trace Register. Um, and I was hired primarily to make their software better, which is really a great reason to be hired, right? Because uh, I don't, I, while I'm going to be delivering some feature work and stuff, my real focus is on, on making everything in terms of design and architecture better. Um, and so I was able to hire, I, I knew that I was going to be hiring, um, you know, shortly after coming on. And after about a month, I started with this job description and I kind of got, I, I got to thinking about the job description. I'm like, God, I hate most of the job descriptions that are out there. Right. It's like, of the, you know, here's what you'll be doing your day-to-day -day responsibilities. And here's the, here's the list of things that we want you to know and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's not what I care about. Um, you know, when I interview people, my primary way of interviewing them is with FizzBuzz. I pair with them. If if there's more than me, you know, we mob with them on FizzBuzz and find out in the course of an hour what it's like to work with them. So I'm like writing up this job description. I'm like, okay, I just need to talk about XP values and talk about um, some of the XP practices. You know, what is it really going to look like from day to day to be working with me? And then as we hire more people to be working with us and um, see who's really interested in that. And I think that I'll learn 
one of the one of the things that occurred to me was I, I think that I'll learn very quickly in this little interview process, which I start with a very short, like 15 minute conversation just to find out if I want to talk to the person more. I think I'll find out within that 15 minutes whether they get what I'm saying to begin with and whether they're into it. Right. And it's like it's all on camera. You know, you can see people's facial expressions. You know whether they're 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 into it or not. And so, anyways, that was kind of the the genesis of why I wrote it up that way. Nice, nice. Yeah, and, and I I saw when it was uh, posted, and whenever I see a job description that's not the uh, incredibly common thing, where it's like, <laughs> I want you to know these fifty tech stacks, and I want you to have <laughs> these years of experience, and I want you to know requirements analysis, uh, design documents, and you know, oh, like God. Uh, <laughs> <I'm out>. um, <laughs> you know, whenever it's one that I'm like, oh, whoa, these words are uh, XP words or, uh, you know, kind of ensemble culture words. And um, it, it like just stands out, like it just jumps off the page to me. And so I thought that was really cool and quite unique. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, I know Chris and I have <laughs> uh, worked on these. Chris, more than me, uh, Chris, uh, what has your journey been like with uh making job descriptions like this. <laughs> oh yeah. I, you know, I, I, I totally agree. You know, just things like extreme programming or, you know, test driven development being on there and people being attracted by that. And you can kind of tell uh, whether it's, you know, a, an opportunity by necessity or, or, or an opportunity by, you know, people searching for that sort of thing. Um <laughs> you know and, and i totally agree with the mob interview as well obviously <laughs> uh and um yeah i look for signs of continuous delivery craftsmanship uh all those things um and then you know lately you know as as the team has grown over time also making the job description process uh kind of establishing them on our wiki pages and then mm. allowing anybody on the team to go in and make edits and then kind of a consolidation and like a re recompensating um that helps keep it up to date as well that's a good idea those are, those are kind of some of the things that i've learned uh, over time here um it's been a while since i we have been searching so i haven't touched it in a while but yeah. it'll probably be soon again so that's a good idea though to yeah. you know formalize it into a document that people can collaborate on yeah yeah I, I think initially you know so the organization that we're in uh, is very was like very traditional in nature before and the job descriptions were you know very much the like <laughs> you know you 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 must estimate out the two you know to 10 years worth of work and then follow <laughs> your roadmap and um and so you know as we took those things over we 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 did we did the the uh, job description design kind of as retrospective process. Like this goes, you know, this belongs, this doesn't. Yeah. And then, and then we realized that it kind of had to be a constantly evolving thing, even as as different things became, um, you know, more meaningful and less meaningful to us. And so that's yeah, that makes sense because like. Wiki. Yeah, the team's going to like as you start building a team, or, or or your team composition starts to change. Like different things are going to become, you know, evolve into being more important to the team, and some of those other less important things kind of drop by the wayside. 
I mean, yeah. that, that's agility, right? It's like, it, it's, it's experimentation. And if you got an experimental team, yeah, what you're saying totally makes sense. So it, it's kind of as close as possible. What I wanted to achieve was getting it as close as possible to a continuous integration process with the HR department. Oh, nice. um, because HR it. does compensate, uh, you know, compensation analysis solely based <laughs> on the job description. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, so now, you know, our wiki has like a Git backend that then tracks all the changes. You can then say, okay, the last time we comped it uh, to today has all of these commits in them. And now you can then yeah. aggregate those and then say, these are the changes and then they can recomp and analyze the position. So um, that's been, you know, that's relatively new for us, but um, but been kind of the direction that we've been going in is the kind of continuous in integration for job description comp. That's very cool. Yeah, it's just been kind of happening in the background because it's not uh, even, uh, cool. it's, you know, maybe not at the forefront, but yeah um that's kind of the the purpose of getting them onto the wiki um i love it cool yeah so jim like are there any uh specific um you know highlights i guess to the to your job description journey that you had recently and yeah absolutely there are um so you know i wound up only uh i i think i had conversation the short conversations like 15 minute to well sometimes 30 minute conversations because it would run over which is always a good sign with probably like about seven or eight maybe nine people um and out of those i had longer like two hour interviews with um about four people was all before i landed on you know oh my gosh you got to hire this guy um and there was there was it was really cool because the, the people that I did interview, I knew that I wanted um, to have longer conversations with them. And we the, the great thing was that we both got a lot out of the conversations. I mean, I learned things from them and then they learned things from me. And um, it gave me a lot of insight into the different types of um, skill sets, especially among um, junior or, or just starting developers, you know. Um, and there was one guy that I interviewed, it wasn't who I hired, but there was one guy that I interviewed that did, um, FizzBuzz as a chain of responsibility, kind of prompted to, to go down that chain of responsibility path. And he wound up doing it differently than I'd ever seen before. And I, I've done the FizzBuzz Kata a lot of times. I mean, I told you earlier when we were chit-chatting, um, I used to work with Steve Quo. So we did Katas like, and, and I'm doing it now actually with, um, trace register every week. So we did katas every week as multiple mobs because there was a pretty big team um, that was practicing fast agile. Totally different topic, but fast agiles are awesome. That's a <laughs> plug for plug for Ron there. Um, anyway, um, so I'd seen like so many different ways to do fizzbuzz and so many like little little variations, but it it was really cool to see something new. Um, so as far as the journey goes, yeah, it was a fun journey. I think for, for the people that didn't get hired, I hope, as well as, you know, the person I did hire and, and for me, um, it was really enjoyable. I, I really like that style of interviewing because I I've gotten, I think, honest feedback quite a lot at the end of the interview. Um, people will tell me that was fun or, you know, I, I learned a lot. And, and I'm like, okay, great. That's awesome. I'm so glad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've definitely had that experience too, where people are uh, very appreciative for the process. Um, and so that's always fun to see. 
And then for those who aren't so appreciative of the product, like, you know, they didn't, they weren't upset or anything, but you could just tell that <laughs> the social thing wasn't really theirs. And that, that kind of leads yeah. to a couple of questions I had about the kind of hiring and job description thing. Okay. I think I got kind of two veins. One is um, um, maybe I'm trying to think it came up because I was talking to a family member who is a recruiter. And what's funny is they're not from the tech space, but in the last uh, few years, they've grown to be a tech recruiter. Um, and he was asking about uh, how we hire and what we're looking for in our job descriptions and stuff. And he was shocked by what I was describing because <laughs> he was like, everything I do is all tech based, you know, like you must have, you know, and he's like, I don't even understand what the words are, you know, like, you know, <laughs> like all these long strings of uh, tech, tech names you need to know in stacks. Right. Um, but he's like, I, he's like, almost everybody will not even look at a person unless they know this very concrete, specific tech skill. Mm. And it, it made me and I was I started talking to the family member about it like why we're different, but it almost led to an elevator pitch situation. Like why, why do the job description differently? Why look for these principles and practices over 15 years and the exact technology that <laughs> your team's using right now, you know? Right. Yeah. What are your thoughts there, Jim? Well, you know, I absolutely agree that, that you should be looking for um, more of a, more of an interest and aptitude. Right. And so there's there's a guy um, that I worked with at Premier Blue Cross that was hired. He he was a Java developer for and Linux guy forever, right? And where when he was hired, it was he was hired onto a team that was doing um, C sharp development. And but he was an XP guy, right? And he, you know, quickly shifted over to C sharp. One of the best guys that I I worked with, Garrick West, brilliant dude. Anyways. Um, I learned a lot from working with those guys in terms of what to be looking for, because at, the, at that job, we hired this guy, um, uh, Carson and he, I think it was his second job. He'd worked at Microsoft for a while and I'm sorry, Microsoft, but you learn some bad coding habits at Microsoft, depending on what team you're on. And you, you write some uh, procedural class-based code. Um, you're not, you know, mostly not actually object oriented code. Anyways, we, we mob, uh, mob interviewed this guy, Carson. And there was, I think there was about five or six of us interviewing. It was so disconcerting for him. I know that it was just nerve wracking for him to be interviewed by so many people do, and do, doing fizz buzz and like us talking about all these new concepts to him. They were all new concepts to him. But the thing was that we could tell instantly that he was really, really smart and that he loved what we were talking about and that he wanted to do it. And so we hired him. And, it, to, and now he's I would love to work with that guy again. He's one of the best engineers that I know, um, you know, after a fairly short time period. So I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of rambling from your original question, but uh, no, yeah, but yeah, it, it's like, you're, you're really, like I said, you're looking for aptitude. You're looking for interest more than you're looking for specific skill sets. Cause those specific skill sets will come. And the other thing is like, I've been burned with, with hiring like senior contractors enough times that it's like they get set in their ways right and and they tell you what you want to hear during an interview they get real good at it They're like good at interviewing right so they know how to tell you what you want to hear and then you hire them and then after a couple of weeks you're like holy crap what did i do you know we got to get out of this <laughs> um because team composition this is one of the things that i thought was kind of interesting that i learned um you know in, in more recent years um um, 
And it's that whole thing around, like, I call out managers all the time when they call uh, people resources. And I'm like, oh, do you mean money? And they're like, no. Oh, you mean people? You, you should say people. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> you know, because we're not fungible resources, right? Everybody's different. And so, and they bring different skill sets and different social um, social skills and social sort of angle to the team. So when one person leaves a team or or joins the team, the team's not the same anymore. The team composition totally, it changes. Your dynamic changes. And so when you wind up hiring like the senior developer that you think was great when you interviewed them and then they come in and then they just want to do things the way they always have. It is such a drag on the on on the team morale, um, and you know it just kind of causes problems. So, and it's hard to find XP practitioners at, that aren't a million bucks, you know. <laughs> so my whole slant on, on like this job description and um, the level that I was trying to hire at was I want to hire the the smartest like beginning to early career dev that I can find, I'm looking for the next Carson, right? <laughs> and then I want to teach them the values and the principles and the practices the best that I can. I'm not the greatest dang programmer on the planet by any means, but I do TDD, <laughs> right? And that helps me step through problems in a very methodical way. I want to teach these people this the, these very simple um, sort of, mechanisms that you can use to step through problems and not make them complicated and therefore not wind up with complicated code. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've seen the same thing where <clears throat> I've seen it go really well. If uh, let's say you have a job description and you're looking for uh, the, uh, so to speak, unicorn um, <laughs> XP person, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I've also, you know, and those can be hard to find, but I've also seen it go well. Someone who, oh, there's a unicorn right there in Chris's camera. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and similar to what your experience was, someone who maybe hasn't even heard of XP, but they're, um, you know, in the interview process or community events or something like that, incredibly excited about it, shows a good aptitude to learn and, you know, pick things mm -hmm. up and, uh really runs with it and also has the good social skills so that whatever they pick up can maybe be uh, spread with others as well, you know, and th mm -hmm. those kind of things. And I've seen that pattern. I don't know if I could count, but I think it's at least 10 or over 10 times or more that I've seen that pattern happen. And it's pretty, it's pretty fun to watch. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, Chris, you mentioned it and I think Chris mentioned it too. Hmm. And with a job description, um, I, a little bit of a story and then a question, but okay. I recently ran into, it was uh, an internet type of conversation, uh, but the person had a bunch of words that were very XP sounding on everything about them. Uh -huh. But then when they talked about what they do, it was completely the opposite, you know? Wow. And so, you know, where you kind of, like we were talking about, the, the, the some people will tell you what you want to hear in the interview, right? And yeah. you don't find out. Till they really do it so it's kind of this buzzword gamemanship uh semantic diffusion concern where they'll use the words but don't know what they mean or they know what they mean and don't <laughs> agree with them um and so it's this uh um yeah have you have you encountered that oh, you, oh my god every yeah. everybody knows tdd 
<laughs> it is on every resume that you will ever see ever, for, and, and it will be for like ever because you got to know how to do TDD. So I'm going to put it on my resume. And, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, my buddy Quinn and I, when I worked, the, when I was most recent, the most recent years at Primera, um, we were interviewing, you know, contractors quite a bit and, um, and every, uh, every resume dude. And that's where we actually got down to, um, we would, we would waste our time with so many interviews because TDD was like one of the most important things to us, right? You've got to, when we, and we were hiring senior people, right? So if you're, if you're senior and you're saying, you know, TDD, you better know what it means. And within 10 minutes, we'll know if you know what it means. Right. So that, that's how we got down to that 10 minute thing. Let's, let's quit wasting our time. Cause you don't want to, you know, we, we care about people, right? We don't want to make somebody feel bad by going, Hey, we we're going to schedule a two hour interview with you. And then after 30 minutes go, Oh, you know, we're good. But, and you know, cause then they're just going to feel terrible. Yeah. That sucks. I don't want to make somebody feel like that, but Oh my gosh, Austin, you're, you're totally right. I mean, they, they will put on their resume and they will Google or they will um, chat GPT questions, you know, or whatever to under, try to get the superficial understanding of what it might mean. And then try to talk the talk. <laughs> uh, well, uh, you mentioned Stephen Quo. Um, when, when we were talking to him, he brought up Llewellyn's six minute interview. Ah. Uh, and so I, I talked to Llewellyn about it because I was like, well, I'm going to be doing interviewing soon. So probably want to, to do that. So Llewellyn gave me the six minute inter interview and it was, uh, it was pretty interesting, but it was, it was literally like open an IDE, clone this Git repo, r run these tests <laughs> and start making them pass. And I was nice. like, wow, this is like, this is great. Cause it, 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 literally in six minutes, you can know you know, whether or not you want to continue the conversation. So, um, mm -hmm. and, and then Llewellyn, I was, I was talking to him and he, he brought up, uh, Blink, uh, the book from Ma Malcolm Gladwell, uh, okay. which I happened to be reading or, or had just finished reading right before doing this six minute interview uh, with him. So it was very timely. I have done, but yeah, it, it well, it, they, it talks a lot about, um, you know, uh, taking your initial reaction to something uh, be it visceral or, or positive and, and that reaction is actually higher quality than maybe like, you know, 30 minutes of analysis or longer. Okay. Um, and the book starts out with this idea that, uh, um, there was a forgery of a, um, uh, ancient sculpture and, uh, everybody was like, yeah, you know, this is aged properly. All of the chemical mm -hmm. compositions good. They did all this like really deep analysis, but when these experts entered the room and saw it, yeah. they immediately got like a sinking in their stomach or they started sweating or whatever. And so, uh, it turned out that it was a forgery and they figured out how to make the chemical composition based on like aging potatoes and, and <laughs> potatoes on the, the surface of the statue. Wow. And so, um, and there's a whole bunch of stories like that. And, and so, you know, it, it, basically the six minute interview is, is like a contextual analysis of their programming ability, uh, within that lens and no one's going to be, you know, the, the, the delay with chat GPT or, or all these other things. Like there's a lot of things <laughs> where you'd be able to see like, oh, this person's just not talking through what they're doing. They're not, um, and it, wow. it would expose those things right. very quickly. So yeah, you can kind of see their eye, very, you can yeah. see their eyes move to another monitor too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so so I think I'm okay with them using ChatGPT to f figure it out. But even like if they can't like describe like what they're doing or why, then you know that's like also a big tell. 
um but yeah it's so it's kind of it was all very interesting yeah we we would start with like really early on go um something like how did quinn put it the best you'd say um as concisely as you can describe the process of doing tdd and you know when 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 people would start out by going red green refactor you know, I mean, that's probably about as concise as you can get, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. three three words done. <laughs> I mean, obviously, yep. we were looking for a little bit more than that, but yeah, yep, yep. It reminds me of um, the thinking fast and thinking yeah, slow book. Slow. I, I think I'm butchering the title a little bit. Thinking yeah. fast and slow. I think thinking fast and slow. Yes, mm. it was talking about when to trust your intuition and when mm. to not. And I think the author was. Uh, uh, self-described himself as having a bias against people's intuitions being reliable. But he did say, mm. but he, he, he had a, a coworker uh, in the industry who, who kind of had a different career path, kind of proving the opposite, but that okay. there are certain fields where intuition is incredibly reliable, like a, like a very seasoned trained uh, chess professional has okay. a lot of intuitive, intuitive ability to just tacitly see something and know. Right. Um, right. Where I was talking about other domains where they're even paid to be an expert, but statistically they're what they pick and do is no better than random selection and stuff like that. And so, <laughs> um, but I think, I think it's a fair hypothesis that craftsmanship XP feels kind of more like in the chess category, right? Where like you can, you, you spend some time with someone, see how they operate on the board. You kind of get a feel for, uh, you know, what do they know? Uh, what are their habits? What do they do? You know, that, that yeah. kind of thing. And, um, you know, I guess anything can be misled, but it, it feels, it feels like, uh, you know, ensembling, mobbing, XP, something that be, can be caught, something that can be seen, but it's hard to quantify with a Scantron test or some other uh, <laughs> quantifiable analysis, right? <laughs> yeah. I, the chess, the chess analogy is interesting. That's it's, it's kind of, it's pretty applicable. Uh, I think in a number of different ways, because, it's like when I've, I've, I've only become a little bit good at chess, not good at chess, but okay at chess, learned it enough to know that I'm not very good at it, but um, that's beside the point. So, but with chess, it's like, it, it, it is the kind of thing where like kata type practice, um, yeah. like that kind of perfect practice, like would really um, uh, in, reinforce the skills that you need to, in order to have um good intuitive thought when new problems present themselves because mm -hmm. you can learn um all all these different moves in chess and at the same time somebody's going to come along and they're going to do something different right all the time and then you got to think on your feet and it's kind of the same thing with with xp practices right it you only get good at tdd by doing it a lot you only get good at pair programming or mob programming by doing it a lot um you know even and it's even a there's even a rust factor that gets into it too. It's like um, for a little while at the beginning of this job, I was mostly working by myself until I just hired somebody at the beginning of this week. Um, and it's like, oh, good, I'm pairing again. Oh, thank God, um, because you kind of get into this this solo mentality. And it's, once you've done this for a long time, it's really easy to break out of it, and it's really easy to go. Um, I'm so glad I'm out of that, and this is so much better, you know, to be working with somebody all the time. Um, so anyways, the, the chest thing kind of rang, rang true with me though. Nice, nice, nice. Right on.
Cool, cool. Well, I guess uh, um, the transition topics. Uh, what's uh, what's your kind of pair and mob programming journey? What's your story? Um, I started pair programming at Getty Images, actually. Really great team at Getty Images. And I think that's really where um, I learned, you know, agile, I, I won't call it methodology, but more philosophy. Um, I started on this team that was always pair programming. You had to pair program every day. And I think there were about probably 10 developers on this team, but because we paired, it was, you know, it produced a good cadence. It wasn't a too, too big of a team. Um, and at first it was just concerting, right? It was like, oh, and it took me a while, like probably four or five, maybe six months where I felt uncomfortable and almost dreaded going to work. Cause it was like, I was like, okay, here we go again. And I, it was, and it's also kind of that um, imposter syndrome thing. You know, even though I'd been a developer for a long time, I'm now working with some, a bunch of really smart people and seeing how well they develop and needing to sort of meld into that. And it was, it was disconcerting. It was like, I, it took me a while to feel comfortable with it, but after about something clicked, you know, and I started feeling more comfortable with it and just, it was what we did. It became normal. And after a while, it was like, this is, this is the way, right? Like this is so much better quality and we're not doing pull requests. This team was awesome. They, we were, we were delivering software to production once or twice a week. Um, I had a working, we were building three different websites on one code base uh, when I came on and they had me up and running with the three different websites on my personal laptop the first day. So they had CI, CD down. Um, they were practicing scrum and two week sprints when I first came on, but um, they, you know, within, I think it was probably within about a month of doing ret retrospectives once in a while. I think we'd done a couple of retrospectives and in one of them, they were like, uh, one of the guys um, was like, yeah, I don't think that um, Scrum is serving us very well. I think that we should try and experiment and go straight Kanban for the next couple of weeks and see how we like it. And after a couple of weeks, we we did another retro. We talked about it. We were like, yeah, that's going pretty good. Let's keep doing that. And then after a couple of weeks, we're like, yeah, let's not go back to Scrum. And after a little while, um, uh, a little while being within the next year or so, the rest of Getty Images was not doing Scrum. They're doing straight up Kanban. And just like, what's, and it, which is so how I think now I'm always saying, what's the next most important thing. Okay. We'll work on that. You know, of yeah. course I got to kind of know what's the next most important thing after that. And maybe the one after that, but just tell me what's the next most important thing. And I'm going to do that for you right now. And one quick uh, anecdote on that is uh... <laughs> we recently had that experience where, uh, this is certainly going to be the next most important thing. And then a month goes by and then it no longer is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there is, if you're in that, uh, uh, get the book fearless organization calls the VUCA world where things are just constantly, constantly changing. Right. Then <laughs> yeah, there is, there could be a lot of waste in, uh, uh looking too far ahead. Right. <laughs> I think, you know, one of the most impactful, conversations that I had about that was, um, well, not so much conversation, but listening to Woody Zool at like one of the um, Seattle software crafters meetups. Um, he came and did his, his talk on no estimates. 
right? And I, I still, the thing I remember about that talk is that he does this, pulls out a stack, a, a stack post-it notes, and he goes, uh, business is telling us th- this is the requirement, these are the requirements for what we yeah. need to work on. And, you know, and he'll come in and he'll go, well, can you just like narrow that down to the top four pages of the requirements in terms of what's the most important four pages of things that you need? Anyway, just make it short. He like narrows it down, narrows it down. He winds up with a sticky note and he's like, okay, let's narrow it down further. Let's narrow it down further. Okay. What if I told you that we can do this and we'll deliver it to production next week? (laughs) And there, you know, and of course the reaction from business is going to be like, really? Well, yeah, do that. (laughs) <laughs> so that's kind of how you and and so by by getting your team into that mindset and getting getting the hard part is getting management to trust you with that kind of process um you you build this ability to like start actually getting flow and getting throughput i like i always when it, for managers or product owners that would come in and didn't really understand all of that very well. And back in the days when we used to work in person, particularly, I'd go to a whiteboard, right? And I would draw a picture of a conveyor belt with a big machine on one end of it, right? And I think I got it from some book. Most of my ideas aren't really my own. Um, But the conveyor belt, there'd be boxes, like big boxes and little boxes and medium boxes. And then I draw the product owner at the end. I go, this is you. I draw a little stick figure at the end with a big question mark above his head. No idea how long anything's going to take to build and come off the conveyor belt. And then I, and then I go into the Woody Zool thing. Right. And I go, let's make all of those boxes approximately the same size. And then I'd erase this question mark, you know, make them all about the same size, approximately the same size. They can't all be perfect. And then I draw a big happy face. So or put a big smiley face on it. Right. Cause then he's going to know approximately how long it's going to take for these features to be built based on yesterday's weather. Now we're forecasting. We're not, estimating so you know what uh, before before we uh um before coming on this i was thinking to myself what a what a wonderful uh don't get me wrong what a wonderful echo chamber we live in because <laughs> because we all totally agree with each other right yes and um a lot of the 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 names that i've you know of my friends that i've dropped during this conversation you know we all agree with each other too and um, when we, when I hop on LinkedIn and kind of get into some of the conversations um, on LinkedIn and so forth, um, and other social media where I talk about programming or anything, not everybody agrees with me at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are people that vehemently disagree with me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and, and that's fair. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I, the well, and especially I think the estimates versus no estimates you know, <laughs> debate as well. Yeah. That one's heresy, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and people take very, uh, vehement sides, you know, on, on the, either side of that argument. Um, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, getting down to things like lean and flow and other, uh, you know, sty- certain styles of doing work, you know, I think that it's pretty interesting. I, I think convincing business, uh, the business side of some of these things, um, is kind of a matter of just delivering differently often. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and saying, demoing. Hey, yeah, Demo-ing, exactly. Man. You don't have to, you don't have to use this right now, but you know, I, I did notice we could deploy this to production today if you wanted it, <laughs> like stuff like that, you know, soft selling <laughs> the, you know, pitches and stuff. Yeah, man. Um, and, and that all has been, you know, very useful to me in the past of, of just, you know, 
um, <clears throat> you know, because I, I think, you know, even the business side has been trained over the years to think of software development as something that you architect and build over years and all this other stuff. Right. Um, and, and it, it really is kind of like a seeing is believing sort of thing. Um, and, and then there's also, even when you're responsible for APIs to other software groups, for example, and yeah. they're doing work differently than you are, um, then, you know, sometimes it does get into, you know, it's like, well, let's write, you know, integration tests against the, you know, dependent upon code. And, and then it's like, oh, hey, we noticed that something went wrong with your API. We noticed something, you know, eventually it's like they, they, they're forced to internalize that. So mm -hmm. um, you can, you can, you can inch toward like small organic growth, iterative growth um, over time of that idea. And, and uh it's it's nice to be able to realize the benefits of things earlier in the process and and so um because i i think on the other side of the argument you're just always buying more time and increasing your stress and you're always borrowing mm -hmm. against the future and um that has issues for sure yeah it's it's tricky when you're when you're working on a team that's not cross functional. Like you brought up, like if you're developing an API that some other team is consuming and stuff, you know, it's just it's tricky, right? What's what's the consuming? Like maybe you got a UI team that's going to be consuming your API, but your your team isn't ready to start building that API component. But man, they're ready because they're fast and they're lean, right? And they're stubbing your API. But the the nice thing about that what i discovered when i was getting images exactly that problem occurred where where we were faster than the api team sorry api team um and um but by stubbing what we expected from the api we were then able to inform them what a good contract would look like you know and so that team started to adapt a little bit and more and go you know let's start looking at our api development as more of a customer driven type development rather than developing stuff and going hey i hope you like this Mm -hmm. yeah 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 absolutely yeah no no i love that yeah having that uh kind of more systems customer perspective is fantastic and i think one thing i wanted to go back to a little bit was the echo chamber thing because i think <laughs> i think it, it, it's quite valuable in that uh there's value in both things because you, you're in a context and if you're in a context let's say you're at a meetup or your current team where there's uh, a lot of buy-in for a certain idea it's okay to be in that echo chamber and, you know, work out your view and think through it, but it's also very healthy to do things to have that view challenged. Right. So you, mm -hmm. like you said, you stepped out into LinkedIn or kind the, of the, the <laughs> idea is marketplace. And, um, and there, there is a lot of value in be able to, you know, know, learn from others, you know, go into it with an open mind and see how the test the idea, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And test the idea, see how it works in your practice, see how it works against other people's ideas. And um, what I love about a lot of people in the community is it's a very kind of open book. You know, I've heard uh, quite a few people say something like, mobbing's great and I'll be happy when the next best thing comes out that supersedes it. You know what I mean? Where it's mm. kind of like, this openness to, hey, right. this is the best thing right now, but I'm going to keep experimenting and, you know, hopefully soon we'll find something even better than that or something. And, um, right. And I think, and I think in part, Chris, uh, if I remember right, this is kind of why one of the reasons for a visitor program <laughs> is that you have a, a visitor come in and then you're explaining hmm. yourself and why you're doing what you're doing to a visitor. 
uh, kind of puts you in those shoes at least a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, also they'll be like, wow, you know, we're doing this instead. And then that's like, oh, hey, that's like a way better idea than what we're doing. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, visitors right. and you can get, you can get critical feedback from, from the outside um, as well as, you know, reinforcing feedback. Um, but, you know, I, I think generally speaking, regularly having visitors on a team will, you know, from other companies or whatever, you know, maybe you have an NDA or something. Um, what you get, you know, both teams benefit. Like it's like, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a net gain across the board because, um, you know, maybe they learn something from you. Maybe you learn something from them. Maybe you learn that what you're doing is, you know, industry leading. Maybe you learn what they're doing is industry leading. Either way, you come away with either more information or a better process or both. And so, yeah, um, you know, I, I so like it, the only place that I don't think it works is if you're in a competing industry or something. But right, um, I think we did that a few yeah. times. A few yeah. times that I can remember at Premier Lacrosse. In fact, I think that was actually when when Ron Cortell was still with us, and we were being uh, a lot more actually agile than later years. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. But um, yeah, that that kind of like where did that get its start? Like that um, that whole the the notion of, of like the visitor program. Uh, so so uh, Woody, I think, brought in you know different visitors and uh, from time to time. Hmm. Um, I I think you know before we even called mob programming mob programming or coined a name for it or whatever. Yeah. Um. Uh, I think he, you know, Woody had brought in a visitor and they're like, wow, you, the way you're working is really interesting. You should give it a name and talk about it. Like, <laughs> like that was, that was kind of, um, you know, when that was the, maybe the uh, instigator for talk, speaking about it at conferences and things like that. But that was mm -hmm. like very early on. Um, and a lot of the time it was, you know, people that we knew were doing things that, uh, maybe we're more lean or agile than we were and, mm -hmm. and having them work with us for a little while, we, we understood that something was, you know, you know, something could be improved based on like suggestions and things like that. And, and I think after mobbing that very quickly became, you know, people like <laughs> saying like, Oh, what, what, what the heck are you doing over here? This is really interesting. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that, that was like very early days. We, you know, uh, we had visitors, um, very, very early on, even, even when we were, when the team was kind of, uh, transitioning to something more lean gotcha. and agile. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's great though. Yeah. Nice. Well, maybe we're getting to the end. Uh, is there anything you want to share or plug before we close Jim? Uh, plug. Okay. Sure. For just in case there are any fly fishermen that are also programmers listening to this, um, in the last, well, year plus, I've developed an app called uh, Hatchpedia. Um, and it's now, as of the beginning of this year, it's on iOS and Android. Um, actually, a little shout out to the Uno platform guys, because they saved my bacon. Uno platform was a great way to develop cross-platform, um, where I was having all kinds of struggles with Xamarin forms. And then with even with .NET MAUI, didn't seem to save the day, but <laughs> Uno platform did. And I've got this app out called Hatchpedia. It allows fly fishermen to um, determine what a bug is that they see. So you can type in all kinds of descriptions, just plain language descriptions. 
and it has a patent pending uh, search engine that searches against a massive database that sits on your phone. So you can use it offline. Um, and uh, it's entomological as well as empirical data about 522 species and comes back with a list of most relevant search results uh, with over a thousand images available right now. Um, so if you want to figure out what a bug is, uh, Hatchpedia is your friend. Uh, it's less than a cup of coffee per month for the subscription. So, yep, there's that. All right. Nice, oh, nice. I, does it work in Zelda? So if I'm fishing, you know, with my daughter on Zelda. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't think bugs are going to matter. In Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> um, fishing in video games is weird, man. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've done a lot of it. <laughs> so uh yeah so to our audience um if you like uh identifying bugs in code or uh, while you're fishing right um then you may want to recommend this episode to them uh if they're you know if you know anybody that's uh hiring or looking to build out a team and are just looking for ideas on how to maybe um uh, organize their resumes create or not their resume their job description creation um send them send them this way and uh you know please like subscribe ring the notification bell all that and thanks for listening and thanks jim for being on the show and we'll uh, see everybody later i really appreciate you guys having me all right Bye, awesome. see you cheers <laughs>